You are learning about how to write a cold email that stands out and drives action. Uh, welcome back to the Sell Better by JB Sales Show. We're here to bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Let us know what your role is. I'm going to go ahead and launch this question right now. This is how we tailor the conversation to the people that are in the room. So make sure you fill that out. Uh, I'm your host, James Say What Sales Buckley. I'm a little under the weather today, so you'll forgive me if I sound a little stuffy. But fortunately, I have two people that will pick up my slack. Uh, I am joined by Jed Marley of Mailshake and our main man, Tom Alemo. What's happening, buddy? What's up, man? Excited to be here. Yeah, welcome back. Jed, it's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Absolutely, man. Well, before we kick things off, if you're looking to level up in 2023, check out our upcoming shows. You want to scan that QR code on your screen because we are now live every single day. If you did not know that, you can sign up, you can check it out, you can see all the things that we have going on every single day. The 100 top sales professionals, over 100 top sales professionals uh, come to this show every single time we put these on, scan that QR code, check it out at sellbetter.xyz. That's the new one. Um, I got something special for you today. Uh, internally, I'm dropping this link for you. This is not something that's public. We're putting it in the chat for the people that are in the room. Uh, these are 50 highly effective CTAs. My ask is that you go share this internally with your team. Every AE, every SDR, every customer success rep, they need this link that we're putting it in the chat. Share it internally, drop it in your Slack channel, let everybody go download this because this is gonna be a game changer when you see these CTAs. All right, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsors, our partners. Without them, we could not do this. Gong, Outplay, and Vidyard, thank you for making this episode possible. We appreciate you guys. And this is what you're gonna get today. You're gonna get the best places to find relevant information. You're gonna get all kinds of things about where to look for things and how to work them into that email structure that you've been working on. And we're going to show you a lot of CTAs and a lot of things that are going to fit into that email that you're working on to get the responses that you deserve. Let's look at who's in the room. Boom. No shocker. SDRs. Tom, tell me something an SDR should be focused on right now before we pass it to Jed to talk about this framework. What should an SDR be focused on in their emails right now? What's changed? I love I love my SDRs out there. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of good stuff. I think the number one thing that I always focus on is if you can explain your pro the problem that your customer has as well or better than they can, they're gonna see you as a trusted advisor. They're not gonna mm -hmm. see you as just a regular salesperson. So study, understand, spend time where your buyers are, read the blogs they read, listen to the podcasts they listen to, and that stuff will really pay off if you really know you can put yourself in their shoes. That's a little more research than we typically hear, but a lot more is going into these emails. Jed, break this framework down. Tell us why this is a great structure that people should start with today and how it's effective. Yeah, for sure. This is the cold email framework I've been using for the last probably two and a half, three years. Um, it's something my team still uses. We always use some sort of variation of it, um, but I think it's a really like easy way to get started. Um, it's makes, you know, keeps your emails uh, super short. And so we'll start off with the first sentence. I try to keep all of my emails, just three sentences as short as possible because nobody has time to read a long email. Um, but we start with the context and the problem. And I think what Tom said is really important because this is the most important part of the cold email. Um, if you don't nail the problem, they're really not going to read on. And so I like to lead with a problem. And just like Tom said, do some research into like your G2 crowd reviews, listen to call recordings, try to interview customers if you can, talk to your internal ICP. So if you sell to marketing folks, Go to your internal marketing person and ask, like, how would you phrase this? 
Um, does this problem sound good? Uh, and the context side of things is uh, framed around fine buying triggers. So we'll probably get into that a little bit more in the show, but um, looking for indicators that you can find from easy research, such as maybe they're hiring, maybe they just got promoted, things like that, that you can lead off with and lead into your email. Um, that's what I keep in that first sentence. So it's typically a question like, uh, you know, is, is this something you're running into kind of thing? We'll, we'll, we'll have some examples in the following slides. Um, the second sentence is the value prop with social proof. So I think it's uh, important to put social proof, but the, the value prop is really just uh, explaining as simply as possible how you help, giving them a quick nugget so that they're interested to learn more, and then coupling that with some relevant social proof. And then the last one, call to action. Obviously, that link is great for a bunch of different call to actions you can use. I know we've got some really good ones. There's a call to action that I'm really excited about. Um, it's been kind of floating around LinkedIn a lot recently as well. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I like keeping... Uh, it's basically like the permission slap call to action, if you will. Um, it's a little bit uh, different from the typical ones you might see. Um, but yeah, this is a great framework. It forces you to be super short, super relevant. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll share some examples as well. I, I like the permission slap, which is very contrary to the pitch slap, which we see constantly in our space. Tom, would you change anything? Do you like this? Does it align with the way that you would structure an email? We do have a framework from you as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, this is like the nuts and bolts of of a solid email, right? It's like what I what I said uh, a couple minutes ago. You're focusing on the context, of the problem. Why are you reaching out to this person in particular, right? It's not just because you have a certain product. It's not, um, you know, whatever you work at a cool company. They need to have a problem that that hopefully you can solve, right? And that's that's the basis of the conversation. Then you're saying, hey, here's how we help in the in the value add and a simple call to action to open up a conversation. So. There's like a million ways you could expand on all three of those, but those yeah. nuts and bolts, like if you do that, that's like the 80-20 rule. You're like, you're you're handling the meats and potatoes of, of what's going to make you successful. Good stuff. The meat and potatoes. So speaking of the meat and potatoes, you guys know that we like to back what we say up with actual examples. Jed, break this email down. You sent this to somebody. I love their response. I'd be open to learning a little more. Probably the most ideal response for any sales development rep sending cold emails, I'd be interested in learning more. How'd you get them to say this? Why is this email effective? Yeah, for sure. So I'll start by saying I sell other sales and SDR leaders. So it's really easy for me to understand their problems. Um, but again, like understanding what their problems are comes from doing research. When I sold to IT folks, I went to my internal director of uh, IT and asked them, hey, like, how would you change this email? So again, it starts with understanding the problem. And so that first line is exactly what we talked about. Do your reps ever have problems with low open rates or going to spam, that sort of thing. Um, and then moving on to the next line, on average, 35% of cold emails go to spam because they don't have a strong enough standard reputation. This is a little bit different from the value prop we talked about, but it's kind of giving them a nugget of how we can potentially help and giving them a better idea of how big the problem actually is is. Um, and it's a it's an element of social proof, right? I'm coming to them with some sort of statistic to explain that there is a problem here. And then what I really like about the email, and this has been really successful for us, is that call to action. We're not necessarily saying, are you open to a meeting? We're saying, like, would you be open to basically getting value on your end, seeing how many of your emails are hitting spam? We have an email deliverability software. And so we're just basically asking, hey, I'm not really asking for a meeting, but are you down to jump on a call and see uh, you know, how many of your potential emails could be going to spam and how we can help with that. So we're thinking about what sort of value can we provide up front to make it more enticing for them to take yeah. a meeting. Um, so that's kind of the nuts and bolts. I'll talk about the subject line as well. Um, I think we'll get into that more later, but I'm a really big fan of keeping uh, just one to two or one to three word subject lines, lowercase, keeping them boring. Um, this one is just simply what the topic of the email is about, which is just open rates or emails going to spam. And so we try to make it look almost like an internal email. 
Um, I'm not trying to be flashy with the subject line. Again, it's something you can you know pretty easily scale. I don't have to do a ton of research to do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's really a good example of just understanding your buyer and writing a, a simple, relevant email to them. Put a one in the chat. If you've struggled with subject lines in the past, this was a great tip for me is keep them short, keep them boring. It's the opposite of what we think when we think about subject lines. Tom, you mentioned three non-negotiables that every seller needs to be prepared to go for when they get on a call. What are those three non-negotiables? Talk to me. Yeah. So, and can I, can I actually just riff on that, on that email from Jed? Oh, here, let me pull it back up. Go ahead. Riff away, my man. So I wanted to just point out a few things that I think are awesome about this email, right? So when you think about like the average buyer's day, they're getting hundreds of emails, right? If you're hitting someone in the C-suite, Jed pattern interrupts multiple times on this email, right? So the first thing, you know, it's a great subject line. And the first thing he does is he goes straight to a question on the first on the first uh, first sentence, uh, excuse me, sorry. So rather than just saying, hey, you know, hope you're doing well or whatever it is to start off an email, he's asking a question like, if I'm a sales development leader, I'm like, oh snap, I don't know if my emails are going to spam or not. Then he's going and he's educating me. And he's saying 35% of emails go to spam. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I've been in sales. I actually did not know that stat, right? So there's a lot of sales development leaders that probably didn't know that stat. And then you're hitting me with, Hey, not can I get 20 minutes to pick your brain, to tell you about our product, to give you a demo. It's give it, like he said, it's it's him giving value. And and I don't know your say, like how you run, like what the sales process is at Mailshake, but I imagine there is some sort of like free something that you do to like give them a score yep. or something. So if if your company does that of, of, of any sort, like a free consultation, a free this, a free that, you know, free assessment of some sort like putting that in the subject line, like, how would I say no to that? Yeah, sure. Like, I want you to do that for me now. Uh, and, yeah. and uh, you know, you're not even trying to sell to me. So that's, I just want to point out all those because um, like, I just thought it was a really great job of like standing out from the hundred other emails that this person got that day. Yeah. I also picked up on that PS. Uh, let me know, put a PS mm. in the chat. If you use PS in your emails, your outbound emails, and you find that it adds value. I think the PS is good if it actually yields and asks the right things and gets that like, oh shit, that's relevant to me too. Right. There's something there in that PS. Jed, why do you use a PS? Is it just to punctuate your email or does it actually serve a purpose? Yeah. So that's one way I use a PS. I like to use that because it's just a simple way for them to opt out. Um, I think, you know, having this might be controversial, right? And I work for a cold email company. We've looked into this. You don't technically, and I'm not saying you should do this across all industries, but you don't technically need to have the opt out link. You just need to have a clear way for them to opt out. Now there's going to be, that might be controversial for some people. I'm not saying you should do it. And some people have company policies, but the reason why we do that is because we want to make it look as casual of an email as possible without having that kind of spammy looking opt-out link where it just looks like it's a fired out cold email. Um, and it also, yeah, it gives them an easy way to opt out. Um, and it also optimized for more uh, more responses. And so our reply rate's a little bit higher because of that. Yes, more of those replies are negative, but because we're getting all those replies, we're not focusing anymore on the people that aren't interested. And it's actually you know boosting our deliverability because more people are responding in the inbox as opposed to just clicking an opt-out link. So that that's the, the idea behind that specific PS. Yeah, the one that gives them the opportunity to opt out, I think, is the one that's counterintuitive because we think to ourselves like, oh, if I give them the chance, they're definitely going to opt out. But if what you wrote in the body of the email is impactful, chances are not as great that they'll opt out. The one that you got back here was like, oh, I'm definitely in. Let's make this happen. Right. I'm interested in learning more. I'm open to learning more. I know that we have a big swath of the pin here, big 
broad spectrum of how long everyone in the room has been in sales. So here's my question. How many frameworks have you used in your sales career? And if you're new to sales, you can put one. It's totally fine. Uh, yes, we're going to bring up the second email. Don't worry, Nick. We are going to do that. I do have a good question right here. I want to ask you guys from Kinsley, because I think specific verticals definitely matter. With the framework that you've laid out here, Jed, and let me just bring it back up really quick. Do you think mm -hmm. that this type of simplicity in framework with some consistency, obviously, would work in the government sector, which is very different? Um, that's interesting. So I've used this framework specifically for higher education, um, nonprofits, uh, sales, marketing folks. Uh, that's the extent to where I've used this framework. Yeah. But I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work for government because I, I don't think it's more about the the context of what you put into the email that's going to change, not necessarily the framework. Um, because again, the whole idea behind this is it forces is forces you to be as brief and as relevant as possible if you're limiting yourself to three sentences. Yeah. So I would say that the con like the content of the email matters much more when it comes to like government and whoever, whatever vertical you're prospecting. Uh, not as much the framework. I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work for government. Well, I'm like you. I've worked with a lot of frameworks. Tom, you ever sold into government before? Higher education, these slow moving organizations, these framework work for you? I haven't sold to those those types of orgs, but I think the reason why this works and my framework that we'll get to is, is quite similar is because it's based on human psychology. So if there's humans working in the government, which uh, maybe depending on your political affiliation, you'd say, depending on who's in seat, wherever, uh, you could say yes or no. Uh, but uh, that's just a joke, guys. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but but I think the reason that it works is because, you know, Jed's starting off this email with a potential problem or the reason for that. Right. So he's he's showing them that, that he knows them. He's making them see uh, feel seen. Right. And then he's providing a potential solution to that or he's giving them an interesting data point that might be you know, kind of like make them think a little bit, challenge yeah. their idea. And then he's providing a very low friction ask. In this case, uh, an ask of, it, could you exchange your time, 30 minutes for this free email deliverability scoring, which could provide value to you so that a third of your emails don't go to spam? For a lot of people, that's a fair trade. It's probably a trade where the, the prospect gets more than Jed does in, in many cases. And so, if that's the psychology that you're going out with a cold email, I don't care who you're selling to. Sure. Uh, I think it's going to work more times than not. Yeah. I th there's like an underlying behind the scenes verbiage there. Some like understanding, hey, what I'm going to give you is way more than what you're going to have to give me, right? Way more valuable or way more open or way more life changing. Uh, so I love that mentality. Uh What's before we move on to this next example and break it down, because it's another example from Jed and I want your opinion, Tom, but Tom, is there something unique about your outbound emails that is unique to Tom? Well, I mean, I think everyone should have their own, their own spin on things, right? So like when you have the framework, uh, you have this, this baseline framework and then like, let's, I like to make metaphors that sometimes make sense and sometimes don't. So let's say you were trying to eat healthy, right? And you said, all right, I'm going to go to the basics. I'm going to eat some like lean proteins. I'm going to eat a bunch of veggies, made some fruits. I'm going to avoid ice cream, right? And now for some people, they might want to like eat like a bunch of meat and they want to eat like a bunch of chicken all day. And then some people are like, I'm going to eat salads all day. And then some people are like, I'm going to go on a juice cleanse or I'm going to do it this way, that way. Like that's your individual flavor. But I think we'd all probably agree you shouldn't be eating a pint of ice cream if you want to be healthy every day, right? Uh, oh, as much as we might love to do that, right? So I think the the everyone should be putting their own unique kind of flavor on things. And so uh, what I try to do is, you know, I try to find like, you know, personalized reasons to to reach out. 
I try to be very specific about the problem I'm trying to solve. Sometimes I'm silly, you know, like that metaphor is like kind of ridiculous. Like I, I try to be a little bit unique in that way. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the intent, I actually heard John, old John Barrow say this, that like you want that person to feel like, oh, you wrote that email specifically for them. And I think that that holds true, especially if you're going like above the power line to someone that is a top prospect. Oh, James, you're muted. <laughs> I, I want to agree with you, but I want to also promise I won't tell John you referred to him as old John Barrows. Let's look at <laughs> let's look at example number two. <laughs> Jed, break this down for us. This is a like almost almost the same email. You changed a couple of things in here, but it's almost the same email, and you got a different response. But it was the same desired response. Break this down for everybody. Why'd this work? Yeah. So the previous email didn't have much personalization. It's an example of if you segment really well and you know your buyer, you can send that same type of email out to as many people as possible in most cases. This one is a little bit more personalized and it's something I like to do. And so I like to frame the problem that my email solves around, like towards specific direct reports that they have to kind of give them a better image, right? So what I do in this, in this email here is I found two of this person's direct reports. Their names were Jacob and Adam. And I frame the email around that, right? And so they see that subject line and they're probably gonna be more likely to open it because it's about their direct reports. And then I frame the story of the email that their specific emails could be going to spam to make it feel a little bit more personal to them. Um, this does typically result in higher conversion rates because I'm taking that extra time to like find something personal about them. They know this email is for them. Um, and so it's just an example of that. Again, the rest of the emails is pretty similar, but the thing I wanna focus on too is the follow-up email here. So two days later after that first email, I sent, check your domain, notice a couple of things that could be keeping your reps from landing in the inbox. Happy to share the results uh, and some ideas for improvement if you'd like. So going back to what Tom talked about earlier, um, I'm trying to provide insights, right? And so if I come across uh, with, you know, 34% of your emails going to spam, here are some ideas you can do. In my follow-up emails, I'll provide uh, links and helpful resources to keep your emails out of spam. I'm just trying to come across as an expert so that I earn the right to get a meeting with them. Um, and that's exactly what this follow-up email did here is I, I basically provided insights. So they wanted to learn more instead of just trying to tell them about my product. The funny thing is there was a, a typo in that email. I don't know if oh. that resulted in higher uh, response rates, but I sent that when, when that campaign went out, it went to like 100 or 200 people and the response rates were pretty good. So I don't know if the typo had anything to do with it, but for the record, I am a bit of a fan of typos because again, it makes you look a little bit more human, like you're oh. just typing it up on the fly. So it is, it is something... Um, that was a uh, slightly controversial, intense. controversial, yeah. hot button right there. Let us know in the chat. Do you agree? Do you, yes or no? Do you think typos humanize you as a seller? Tom, one of the things that I am noticing is the length of these emails. They're extremely short. Do you have a desired length that you go for when you're writing a cold outbound email? Well, first I'm putting in the chat, I'm anti-typo. I'm, I'm against Jed on that. <laughs> Spell things the right way. Now I actually noticed that you put like a dot, dot, dot. That's what stood out to me. No one puts a, it was like, Hey Joe, or whatever the person's name was. He did like, I've never gotten an email where someone said dot, dot, dot. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, Manti typo though. Uh, sorry. What was your question? I got, I <laughs> the, got the, the question I have is, is there a desired length for these? We're giving frameworks here. And usually that comes with a yeah. series of steps, things that belong. So what, yeah. what is the desired length of an email for you using a framework? And we're going to talk about your framework here next. Yeah, for me, a couple common themes. I try to keep it under like 50, 75 words is like the sweet spot for most emails. Three to five sentences. Uh, if it's on a mobile phone, you want to go, you know, avoid like two thumb thumb scrolls up. Most people are reading emails on mobile. Those are like 
again, like the, the 80 to 90% like basic. Um, now, are, are there times where I send a, a longer email? Yes. Are there times where I send a, a nine word email? Yes. But most of the time, like it's in like the 50 word ballpark. That's what yeah. I try to do. Yeah. And I heard somebody say on a recent show that we did, the higher up in the deal you go, the shorter your emails get. And I think that's a very interesting point. Mm. Tom, let's take a look. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, that's an interesting rule of thumb. Say that again, the higher up in like the chain. The, the higher up emails. in the chain you go as the deal progresses, the shorter your emails get. Mm. And it's really, uh, somebody said, uh, who was it? It was Kristen Connor of User mm. Gems that said, mm. as I move, I think it was, as I move up the deal, I speak less and I have more like bullet points. We're going to talk about bullet points too. Uh, Tom, Let's talk about your framework. Shout out to, to Jed. Let me get a, a one in the chat. If you're planning on using Jed's simple framework right now, as you write emails after this show, Tom, break your flow down, your framework down here for the audience. Yeah. You're going to notice a lot of similar things to, to Jed, right? So start with the subject line, uh, catchy subject line. What I mean by that is similarly two, three, four words, max, usually lowercase, uh, I'm trying to make it look like it's not from a salesperson, right? So saying open rates on Jed's first email is exactly what that might look like. Um, then I'm starting off the email with something that is personalized and or relevant, right? So this does not mean have to mean, hey, uh, James, I see that you have a dog named, you know, Chester, and I also have a dog, and let's talk about our dogs. And by the way, I have this product. Uh, but it could mean, hey, James, I see that you're hiring eight SDRs and then the rest of the email is going to be relevant to that. So start off with the first sentence about something that I noticed about their their company, sometimes about the individual. Um, if I could find that, then I'm going to talk about a problem statement. So by one, two and three, I mean, uh, many products that, that I've sold, they solve multiple problems. Right. So I used to work at Gong. And we had like three or four different problems that we would solve for maybe a CRO or a head of RevOps or head of customer success, right? So I had those written down. And so I'm choosing one of those problems, right? James, a lot of VPs of sales tell me that uh, they have no visibility into which deals are going to close and which ones are, right? Then I'm going to take and, you know, hit enter. I'm going to provide a solution. You know, we're helping, you know, teams like JB Sales do X, and then uh, a, a an interest based call to action. You know, are you open to learning more? Um, you know, is, is this on your radar? I have a whole list of them a couple slides from now. But that's the basic rundown. Yeah, we're gonna give you guys a list of CTAs. Uh, Jed, sorry, I took that down, but I wanted to ask you: Is there anything that stands out to you about this flow? Something you would adopt yourself? Something you might do a little differently? Um, what I really like about Tom's framework again, I, it's something similar to what I've used as well. Um, which I think is a good thing, right? If you're hearing similar things across different people sharing these these frameworks, it's probably an indicator that you should use something similar. Um, but I, I like what he mentioned is problem statement one, two, or three. An exercise I like to do is for all of the personas that you prospect, get really specific and make sure you write down what are the top one to three, four, five problems you might solve for them. And then try to get super crystal clear with how that prospect would say those problems in their own words, and then list them out in terms of importance. Because when I'm building a sequence or a cadence, whatever you call it, I want to lead with the, the the most important problem, in my opinion, that I think they'll gravitate to. And then maybe my third follow-up email has that second problem that I'm focusing on. Um, in general, I like to keep my emails focused on one problem per email. But what I like about Tom's framework is that it it forces you to you know pick out the, the top three problems, for example, and you can use all three of those problems in your follow-up emails. Um, and so that's an, an exercise I really like. 
That's great stuff. I want to show you guys an example because, as you know, we like to give you frameworks and then show you real examples because these guys are practitioners that also teach people how to do this. But before I show Tom's example and show that it's massively different, or at least quite a bit different than what Jed would do, I want to ask the audience, type in the chat, bullets or no bullets? Do you use bullets in your outbound emails? Do you put bullets in your outbound emails? Bullets or no bullets? Look at this. I got yes, I got no. I got bullets. I got no bullets. Rarely. Uh, all right, Tom, talk to me about why you believe in bullets occasionally. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. This I don't. I don't always use bullets. So um, I, I happen to pull this because this is one that I did for. This is an email I was doing for a, a client campaign. Um, but essentially, there's a few things I want to call out about this. Right. I went to a college named Stonehill College. There's 2,000 people that went there. Their rival is Bentley University. There's about 3,000 people that went there. So I've come across someone that went to one of those two schools in a prospecting email maybe three times in my whole sales career over like eight years. And this guy just happened to be one of them. So um, because of that, you'll notice the first email uh, or the first line of this email is specifically about that. So um, I don't really, I, I would never call out a college or university thing unless like I had a real reason like this is a very specific college rivalry in like southeast massachusetts yeah so you're like awesome. yo i'm coming at you i came to your rival school yeah. let's let's yeah. connect and throw yeah. some mud at each other <laughs> yeah i wouldn't call out like hey i saw you went to university of texas go longhorns i have no affiliation that that feels a little weak to me by the way i want to sell you this great service right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um, i'm just calling that out um the second piece so then i get into a problem right so in what i was talking about the reason for my note is that Boom. Here's here. You know, a lot of the podcast platforms we talk to are focused on, you know, this. This is a, a problem that they're having. We're helping them to do this through, you know, here's the solution. And then I listed off uh, a couple bullets. So this is a guy that I was helping, you know, essentially like connect him with with sponsorship opportunities. And um, he had a really impressive track record. Right. Uh, he's sold hundreds uh, of brand deals. He won an Emmy. He's business partners with the guy on Shark Tank. So to me, that stood out as like pretty like, uh, you know, jaw dropping, like uh, things that you'd see in a bullet that, that you wouldn't normally see in an email. And then curious if you're up for a chat about this uh, yeah. as like a low friction, you know, hey, let's just chat, you know, and that's kind of my thought process behind the call to action. So uh, that, that's, like, that's like the interest. Thing. That's like the yeah. interest, right? It's, not, it's yeah. not necessarily can I pitch you on this? Yeah. which is, I think, what a lot of people lean on. You know, hey, can we connect? Can I have 15 minutes of your time? Can I have 30 minutes? Can we get something on the calendar? All this stuff translates into, can I pitch you? Are you interested in this? Or curious if you're up for a chat about this is almost like subconsciously saying, is this even on your radar? Is this on your priority list? Are you interested yeah. in this? And I like that. I feel like it's a lot easier, specifically in the cold emails. You can get more specific later in the funnel, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think... um you know, you, you asked about the bullets and I think, um, you know, it's another, um, you know, I don't use it. I, I use it in probably 10 to 20% of emails just happen to put it in this one, but it is another version of a pattern interrupt. In my opinion, a lot of sales emails, they don't have that, right. They don't have bullets. They don't have video. Uh, they don't have typos. Like, so all these different <laughs> things that we're talking about, um, are just ways to like, if someone's scanning through their inbox, oh, wow, that stood out. Let, let me just read the, it like makes it very easy to read. And, you know, if you see something that kind of stands out, then it might make you want to take the conversation. Good stuff, Tom. Uh, we will send out everything you need, David. So don't stress over that. 
Uh, when Jed comes back, I want to talk about openers, but I'll start with oh. you. What's up, Jed? I didn't know, man. I thought I, thought, I was like, oh, what happened? Somebody come to his door. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize my camera was off. I'm, I had no idea. I'm so Jed's sorry. Jed's just about pulling that. the vanishing act on all of us right I now. I think I went to turn the mute button on and I had no idea my camera was off. <laughs> sorry it's about all that, good. Guys. Uh, let's all welcome back Jed to the show. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let's talk a little bit about these openers. Uh, put, put in the chat, put your go-to opener. What is it, the opener that you put? If you want to share it with us, that's fine. Put it in the chat right now. Uh, Tom, did you've got a couple of these that you use. Jed, I know you use some variants of these, and I'll start with you, Jed, uh, since you came back into the room. Thank you for yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> which one of these is the one that you lean on most? Why do you think it's effective as a good opener, strong opener? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, me personally? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I like the, I think the third one, right. Because that, that kind of goes with what I was talking about before, which is like leading with that problem, um, which is, and I kind of, can I go back to Tom's email? I want to give some feedback on that as well. A couple of things yeah. I wanted to call that. Yeah. Go back All right. To that uh, let's, let's park it. Let's park it for the openers and go back and let's give some feedback here on Tom's email. What would you change? What Cause it kind of goes with the opener. And this sure, is, is kind of why I wanted to bring it up. So one thing you'll hear a lot is that you need to always have some sort of super smooth transition from the opening line into the rest of it. And what I see people do a lot is like, they'll, they'll find this interesting thing where, where Tom legitimately had a reason to call that out um, because not many people go to this school and then they'll try to find some awkward way to tie that into the value prop. If it's relevant and it's not something, you know, like weird where everybody's gone to the same school, your only goal is really to get their attention. And if the problem's relevant, you did your job. So I do really like that opener a lot. I thought this email was great. Just wanted to call that out. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the next slide, yeah, the, that, that third one is my favorite. Because again, I like to open with a question related to a problem. Tom, talk to me about these. Do you do the same thing? I like that answer for number three. And I feel like that would definitely call attention to it if you start with the problem up front. Uh, or even just something you learned that they were doing in your research, right? How's this going? Tom, these yeah. openers, they work for you. Why? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, well, there's a few things. One, um, you know, like number three is a great pattern interrupt. Very few emails that you get start with a question like that, especially if it's a relevant one. So like, hey, how's your email? How's your SCR team email deliverability going? You know, I'm just making that up for Jed on the spot. Yeah. Something like that, like, I don't know, you know, or, or not that well, or you know, maybe there's an issue about that. And if there is, I'm going to keep reading. Um, I think like the most tried and true that I've used is number two, because I'm always looking for, for triggers. So Jed and I talked about, you should know the problems that your persona has. You should also probably, there's probably a few triggers that each, uh, that, that might indicate that someone is, is in market for what you buy. So yeah. an easy one. when I was at Gong, if someone was hiring sales reps, that was good because Gong helped them to enable new reps, right? And so that was like, it didn't always work, but it was a it was a reason to 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 engage. So I might say, hey, Jed, looks like you're hiring, uh, you know, eight SDRs coming this quarter. You know, a lot of leaders tell me when they're hiring new SDRs that X is a problem. Here's how we help, right? And so it's tying that same thing in together, but it's just, you know, it's really easy to find that type of data and, you know, can help you to stand out versus just something generic. Generic is always not the way to go, in my opinion. I always look at generic stuff and think, what can I change about this template that I wrote three months ago yep. to make it feel like it's not generic and it's unique and I wrote it for you, right? Uh, for those of you that need to fill in the blank here, triggers often work well for these openers. It's interesting that you launched a new product. It looks like you're hiring six new salespeople. How's onboarding going as a new manager or a new VP, if that's your persona? Hey, you might be 
this, given the fact that you just launched a new product, right? You might be frustrated. You might be angry. You might be annoyed. You might be curious about where it's going. These are great fill in the blanks. Triggers often fit in these openers. So be sure you're on the lookout for those triggers. Let's move to CTAs. Get your questions in because we're going to get a lot of these questions answered. They go in the Q&A. Don't throw them in the chat. We have a very active chat, as you've probably seen. Uh, this is an entire list. Take a screenshot of this if you need to. Share it with your network. Tag Jed. Tag Tom, Tom, you provided these CTAs, right? I did. Talk to me about these CTAs. Where do they fit? Why are they cold CTAs? Yeah. So um, I use some of these more than others, but these okay. are ones that that I use and people that I've trained use and, and have had success. The reason um, why, uh, and I think I saw a question in the chat was related to you know, not asking for a certain time or, you know, hey, are you around next Tuesday or Wednesday at three o'clock? That's how I used to send emails a few years sure. ago. Um, to me, that's assumptive. That's me assuming that the prospect wants to meet with me. And it also it takes them, it, it's, it takes them effort to then they have to go to their calendar and see, oh, am I around next Tuesday at three? Oh, I'm not. Oh, should I move that meeting? You know, oh, I'm just not going to respond at all. Right. It's just so much friction to it. But if I'm asking them, hey, are you open to learning more? Is this does this sound interesting? Yes. No. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, is this top? Of, if I'm talking about a problem, is this top of mind for you? Yeah. Or I or I might ask, like, is that on your radar? If I'm doing an email like Jed, like where he's mm -hmm. pointing to a problem, you know, and they say, no, it's not on my radar at all. Like, yeah, we should talk. Or yeah, it is. I'm 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 good. You know. And so you're just trying to get a conversation going, and that's why I think some of these work well for me. I, I noticed some difference, and Jed, you can chime in on this, but I noticed that some of these are just close-ended yes or no questions. Is this interesting to you? Is close-ended, but yes is the ideal response because you're like, great, let me give you some more information. We should have a conversation. Here's a link. We can talk about it, right? This is what you're after is that open door. But I also noticed a couple how questions in here. How are you doing this today, for example, is not close-ended. They have to think about that. Jed, when do we know when to use these types of CTAs? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think as long as you're doing an interest-based CTA, you're going to be in good shape, especially if the rest of the email is taken care of. Mm. Um, and I think number five here is my absolute favorite. At the beginning of the year, my team and I started using a very similar call to action. It's if it's interesting, mind if I send a one-minute video? And I think the reason why that works is because you have to understand most of the people you're cold emailing are not in the market for your solution. They're not yeah. even really aware of the problem for the most part. They're not interested in taking a meeting. Most people don't want to just take a 30-minute meeting after a cold email. And so what that number five does, asking if I can just share a one-minute video, is it reduces the friction point. And you're probably opening up a lot more people who before might have seen your email. Like for me, I get emails all the time. Kind of interesting. I might save it for later, but I don't always respond right away because I don't have the time. I know if I respond, I'm going to be you know pushed into a 30-minute meeting. I don't want to do that. But yeah. that number five, when people respond with that, sure, you're going to get a lot more responses. And that's exactly what my team has seen when we ask, hey, can I send a one minute video? And we just created a canned static video that we send to everybody. So we don't have to spend a lot of time. We've increased our response rates a lot. And it's because it's a much lower friction ask. And then you have to do a little bit more work with the follow up, call them a couple of days later, or your thoughts on that video, try to get a meeting from there. But you'll open up the number of people who want to respond because it again, it's much lower friction. It's not asking for time. Um, so yeah, number five is my absolute favorite. I, I want to agree, but not because of the reason you gave for a different reason. I think mm. if they say, yes, you can send me a one minute video. I just got permission to send you one minute videos anytime I want to. Yeah. And for me, that opens the door, <laughs> right? Like the, if you say, yeah, send me a video. 
everything I send you afterwards is going to be a video, right? <laughs> because yeah. you like video. And now I know that yeah. let's answer some questions. Uh, let me get, let me get a, 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 some praise in the chat for our experts here, providing you with great examples, great CTAs to be able to start using. Give a big thanks to Jed and Tom for coming in. This question comes from Peter. Uh, I noticed in both of the emails in the CTAs, there's no specific time or date. Tom, you mentioned this earlier, so we'll give this one to you. Do you think there's a time to say, are you free Wednesday at two? Or would you suggest avoiding that and allowing your customer to kind of drive the bus on what works every time? That's for Jed? Or me? That's for Tom. That's for you, Tom. Oh, okay. Got you. Um, so I would say in a cold email, it's my first, I've never had contact with them. I'm never, I'm never asking for a specific day and time. Now, when I go to it um, is once I get a response, right? The response of them saying, hey, I'm interested. Then, you know, what my, my response back to that would be cool. Best way would be to, you know, set up some, you know, 30 minutes to chat. Either let me know some good times that work for you or here's my, you know, uh, calendar link that if yeah. that's easier for you. That's how I would typically go about it. But, um, or, or if I was working a deal, if you're an AE and you're working a deal with someone, I think, and they agreed like, hey, we're going to take a next step and do a meeting. But anytime it's cold, I'm never doing that. Uh, Follow-up question, because I enjoy Peter's question here, and you mentioned calendar links. Do you send calendar links in your cold emails, or do you wait until somebody says, yeah, I'd like to have a call, and then you're like, use this link? Uh, I wait, and Jed would probably know a bit more about this, but I think the link could potentially send you to spam. Oh, um, so I don't know this. I don't know the data on that, but I do know that I've, I've heard enough people say that, that it scared me to not do it. Yeah. Uh, I also think it could be a little assumptive. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the same principle. So I'd rather you just tell me, yeah, I'm interested. And then, you know, it's all. Yeah. Uh, Jed, I've heard the same thing that sending a link in a cold email might put you into spam, but also I've heard DMs, Tom, tell me that I'm not going to click your link. It's I'm yeah. not going to schedule this myself, schedule it because it's your job to schedule it. Not because yep. I clicked the link and looked at my calendar and all that. Jed, I see you, man. You're with me. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they can definitely hurt your deliverability. I mean, there's a lot of things. You, I mean, Subbiter's on plenty of shows on email deliverability. There's a lot of things you can do right and wrong. If you're doing everything right in terms of deliverability, and then you want to put a link in there, I think that's fine. I think the best way to do it is to A-B test, send 100 emails with it, 100 emails without or a little bit more, and see what works different. Um, but yeah, some people, you'll send them a link, and they they immediately get offended. So I, I just like to, kind of like what Tom said, hey, do you, uh, like let me know what days work best for you. Yeah. Or if it's easier, here's a link. That also is something I like to do. Good stuff right there. Uh, big notes for those of you in the room that are like, oh, my Calendly link is in my signature. You might consider taking that out. Raul, that's for you, buddy. Uh, let's, uh, Ryan says, thoughts on including a GIF or in, in your email or even a meme in your email to stand out. Tom, what do you think about this? I, I you know, one of the, the most important things I think about being a salesperson is, is you know who you are, right? You know your identity. You know who, who the authentic version of Tom and Jed and James are. And you use that to your advantage. So like you said, you want to send people videos, James. Great. There's some people that maybe aren't as good at sending videos and that doesn't convert as well. So some people maybe are like a little sillier, you know, and they like to send funny memes and, and GIFs or GIFs, however you say it. Um, I really don't. Um, I don't really send either. Uh, I have before, but um, you know, not really on cold email. Sometimes if I have a rapport with someone and I know that we have similar maybe senses of humor or something, I'll do it and it helps to like close a deal or, or progress a deal. But cold, I haven't. Um, open to what, what Jed has to say about this though. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good way to stand out and just try it out if it fits your personality. I had a really good meme I used to work use for uh, sales ops managers that I would use my last company. But one thing I do like to do is uh, send gifts later on in the sequence. And what the gifts are, are like we found the most impactful parts of our demos where people are the most engaged. And we snip, like take a snippet of that into a short GIF explaining how we solve the problem. And so in our follow-up email, we might elaborate a little bit more about how we solve the problem along with a GIF so they can visually see what that looks like. And so that's, uh, you know, an actual way you can use GIFs as well. That's pretty good. And don't sleep on the GIFs or GIFs, however you say it. Don't skewer me to the wall if you say it different. Uh, and GIFs. memes. <laughs> yeah, uh, great stuff right there. What? So this is a good one, actually. It came in early. What do you guys suggest if you sell a service that's not quantifiable? Uh, Jed, in your examples, you had all this great data and these percentages, some stuff that people sell. You just can't measure it with numbers. It's impact that they measure, and that's a little tougher. What would you suggest for a good framework for these types of people? What should they be focused on in their bodies of their emails? Yeah, it's a good question because pretty much everything I've sold has been quantifiable, so I haven't sure. thought about this too much. Maybe Tom has more insights. But I feel like what I would probably do in that situation is there, there's still a reason why you have customers. There's still a reason why people are buying. And so if you're doing that research into your customers and figuring out what are like the impactful reasons why they're buying, um, you know, if you're in a space with, you know, a couple of big Goliath competitors in the space, what are like the key reasons why those customers chose you over those competitors? And then use that as your um, data point, if you will. Uh, I don't know. That That's probably the way I would take it. Again, looking into why people bought in the first place, but maybe Tom, you have other ideas. Yeah, I'd say, you know, the first sales job I had, I was selling Cutco knives, if y'all know what that is. Door shout door. out Cutco. Shout yeah. out Cutco. And we didn't cold email uh, then. But if I was going back there and I had to cold email, no one bought the knives because they saved a tenth of a second on gliding through their stake <laughs> compared to their previous yeah. knives. But there was a there was pain points behind why they bought why they no longer wanted their terrible knives and why they would buy Cutco. So I would go to your last 10 customers, go to your case studies or ask your, if it's early stage, like ask your founder or whoever, why do people buy? What are the pains that they have before they buy? And I would use that in the email. And it doesn't have to be 35% of emails go to spam. It doesn't have to be a number in there, but you could say like, man, a lot of people that I talk to struggle with X Yeah, you know? and then here's how we help. And I think that's really focusing on like the problem. Yeah. I did not do Cutco, but I did Kirby vacuums door to door <laughs> residential. That was my that was Thank my door to door residential, and I did Orkin pest control, which was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a lot of fun because finding bugs in people's houses is like traumatizing for a lot of people. <laughs> so you'd be amazed at how great that was. Uh, tell people how they can connect with you, Tom. Where would they go? Come go to LinkedIn. I'm Tom Malamo on LinkedIn. That's got all my other stuff on there. And you shoot me a DM. Shoot me a cold. LinkedIn, use some of the principles that we use today. Yes. Uh, and send me something personalized. Jed, where can people go? Learn more about you, what you do, learn more about Mailshake. What do you got? Yeah, for sure. And I love that idea. Um, come to, uh, yeah, check me out on LinkedIn. I have a newsletter as well. I uh, just did a course on Sales Navigator with Sell Better as well. It's completely free. Talk about a lot of these ideas as well. So check that out. And yeah, shoot me some cold DMs. I'd love to see it. Yo, Mark with the Neosporin comment. Uh, sell better. Can you drop the link to Jed's new LinkedIn Sales Navigator course in the chat for the folks in the room that want to take advantage of that? I'd really appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. 
Uh, all right. I want to thank you guys for coming out and spending your afternoon with us. Again, I'm a little under the weather, but this went rather well, in my opinion. Go ahead and connect with us on social. Sellbetter.xyz on the gram. We're putting out content every day there. We are live on TikTok constantly putting stuff out there. So come out on there. Sellbetter.xyz is the new website. You want to check that out so that you can learn what it is to become a member. Invest in yourself. Don't wait for your company to provide for you. Have you ever spent a dollar on your own success? If not, talk to me. Let's make the magic happen. I want to say thanks to Tom and to Jed for coming out last minute. Let me get some comments in the chat. One to 10. How useful was this for you? Was it a dime? We're going to send you a survey after. So make sure that you score us high. Don't give us a one and then not tell us why. Give us a 10 and tell us it was awesome. That's what we want to hear from you. Uh, Again, we will see you guys tomorrow. We bring you more content from more experts to help you sell better. See you guys. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Thanks everyone. Yeah.